Welcome to Founders and Friends with Scott Owen at Cruise Consulting. And I have a very special guest today, Augie Rayco from Oric. Welcome, Augie. Hi there. Nice to be here. So Augie's been kind enough to come join us in our office. We've I, Vanessa has known Augie for a couple of years now. We've done a lot of Augie's clients, or our clients, yeah. and we know he's one of the best startup lawyers out there in the Valley, so we want to have kind. him in on the podcast. Very kind. Thank you. He's Fun blushing. He's blushing. <laughs> so maybe just kind of start off by talking about like how you got into law and how, how you found your way to startups. Sure, sure. It's kind of two parts. Um, my father was a software entrepreneur when I was a kid. He started a, a, a company, a software company in 1982. Oh, wow. Um, pre.com. It was um, a training company. Would t- you'd, you'd buy a computer and it would come with a, a disc that was his, his company's disc that would teach you how to use a computer. Wow. And, uh, yeah, so it was, it was like it was, the first thing someone put in. It's our first introduction to like a PC. Exactly. Exactly. And the products were called like, um, you know, teach yourself word, teach yourself DBase <laughs> two, teach yourself CPM, you know, all kind of old stuff. It was, it was, it was cool stuff. And then I wasn't at all thinking about, you know, startups or anything like that myself, um, for a long time in majored in history in college and went to divinity school and realized that a lot of the things that attracted me to divinity school and the history of, I was studying the history of theology, not so much to become a, a pastor, which is funny because I think there's sort of a pastoral element to what I do now, but it wasn't really so much to become a pastor. You're definitely like a counselor. Like yeah, in, yeah, the t- yeah. in times of darkness, you're there for the founders. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're talking about and good times that, too. <laughs> yeah. You're talking about some about things that really matter and, and things that, and, and I particularly like to do it. You know, people have different, different styles, but you know, some people really like to get into the economics of what they're talking about. And I, I can do that. And people like to get into the, um, kind of the technology and I, I can, I can do that. Uh, but what I really like to do is I like to get into the, um, the kind of what it means to the, the, the founder kind of as a person and, and personally. And I, I really like to know kind of what they're hoping to get out of a certain discussion or transaction or, and, and what they're kind of worried about might go wrong or what they're hoping if it, you know, go really, how it would look if it goes really well. And that, that kind of personal angle on it is what, what I, what I like, uh, so I kind of grew up with, with the, the software entrepreneur father, um, and then although at the time we called it a computer company, that was enough to distinguish <laughs> it from he had a computer company, <laughs> which kind of cracks me up now when people talk about like um, you know if you uh, they want to know if you represent any other drone companies because they they don't want them to be, compete. But kind of uh, you're like this whole industry is going to be so huge. It's going to be so like, huge. Yeah, 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 we're going to be yeah, cracking yeah, up yeah. calling it a drone yeah, company. You yeah. know, <laughs> it's kind of like had like dot com back in the day. It's like yeah. you know oh you everything's can't, a dot com. I, yeah, 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 oh like SaaS now. Like yeah. everything is everything. Like, like, really is that is that really what distinguishes the SaaS like <laughs> like aspects of it but not um you know almost every software now is, is deliver you know kind of uh, totally a SaaS but the, but the theology route i actually think theology and, and law are, are very similar as academic disciplines at least the, the core skills that you kind of learn in, the, in school and then, and then use in the, in the background you know as in practice are you, you're essentially looking at statements that we've made about difficult situations in the, and how to handle them historically. You know, yep. Historically, what do you do? Um, I mean, you know, what do you do if someone steals your idea? You know, what do you do if, if someone told you they do something and then doesn't? What do you do if someone takes money from you? Um, these are really similar questions to like, you know, uh, or, or let's say the, the the statements that we make in the law about how to handle that situation. You know, at what point is an, does an invention kind of belong to someone? At what point is, is an invention obvious or not relative to another one or these kind of rules we, we, we come up with are all kind of human generated rules. They're not like physical science concepts. They're not medical concepts. They're kind of human values concepts and, and they're embedded in, in lang- statements about how we want to handle certain situations. And, and the core discipline, both in theology and, and in, in law, as, as I see it, is to look at those statements we've made in the past about how we think about how to handle certain situations. And they tend to be pretty tough situations where, where, where there's you know, pain or great joy or they're, they're, kind of, they're intense situations. How do you handle those situations? What did we say in the past about that situation? Is that still valid? How do we 
dance around what we said in yeah. the past versus kind of plunge right into it. And and then how do you apply that to the resolution of day-to-day problems? So like, should I get forgive my brother or sister? Should I, you know, am I okay to divorce my spouse? You know, these kinds of values-based questions are, um, they're both disciplines that try to give answers to day-to-day yeah. problems. Like, what do I do when someone stole this? How, what can I do when someone stole this? Well, or, well it's know. really interesting comparison because the case law, like in the United yeah. States or Delaware, is effectively kind of like the, the parables or yeah. stories that come from the Bible or any yeah. other religion's yeah. kind of core text. It's like, yeah. I think that's a really interesting analogy. Yeah, yeah. It's very different, similar, similar to um, what they call in theology systematic theology. Like law is very similar to systematic theology where you, where you, you try to make statements about big topics but have those statements be consistent with other statements you've made yes. about other big topics. Yeah. And that's hard. Yeah. <laughs> that's where a lot of, yeah, there's a lot of, a lot of money spent in courts yeah. and a lot of money spent on Sundays, yeah. you know, discussing yeah. this kind of stuff. And, and that happens at the courts. It happens in academia. And then it kind of trickles down. We kind of receive the sort of digested versions of those and a, a practicing lawyers or, or practicing pastors kind of receive digested trickle down versions yes. of those discourses, which have been happening for hundreds of years. And kind of apply them to, to re- resolving a, day-to-day problems. It's yeah. a really interesting like perspective. I've never, yeah. I never thought about it like that, but it's totally, yeah, yeah. I totally get it. That's yeah, amazing. they're kind of the same thing. So one, but in one, you make money; the other one, you don't. <laughs> so that that's what attracted you to law. Like it was I, a way to apply that and be a counselor for the companies and the clients. And it, yeah, I was it, well. The way I got into to law was actually cl- closer to the theology. I was um, to me anyway. The uh, I was in graduate school, and um, I had had a life lifelong interest in Japan. I've been studying Japanese language and since I was 12 or so. Uh, and I was in Japan and I came across a Japanese textbook on Japanese constitutional law written by a Japanese con law professor, constitutional law professor for Japanese law students. And it was in Japanese and, and, you know, using a dictionary kind of worked my way through the book. And wow. I, I just, I fell in love with the disc, the kind of discord. I thought it's, this is how I like to use my brain. This, I, I, and I remember in particular, there's this one case about, you know, in 1973 in the U S we had Roe v. Wade in 1973 in, in Japan, they had this Supreme court case about how to apply this one criminal law statute that, that provided for a, a, a heavier punishment for killing an older brother than for killing a younger brother. Oh and, there, and there was a, there was yeah. a guy. Yeah. And there was a guy who had been convicted of killing his older brother. There was no question about no legal question about the guilt. He was con- convicted, convicted of it. But in the sentencing phase, he, he had killed an older brother and, um, and he had challenged his, his sentence, um, saying that this law, which provided for a heavier punishment for killing an older brother as opposed to a younger brother, which had been on the books in Japan for hundreds of years, was inconsistent with the new post-war world, post-World War II Constitution, which wow. required you to treat people equally yeah. under the law yeah. um, and not discriminate based on it. And he won that case. And it was, it was a landmark case in the year that I was born in, in Japan, 1973 in Japan, and in the other review. And, and what I liked about it was in this con law te- constitutional law textbook, the professor was... They lay out the reason, you know, popular perception of these court cases is that you have the, the question, the issue that needs to be decided, and then the answer. And what gets stripped out in all the media, all the media coverage about, you know, if you read like a New York Times article about some Supreme Court, Supreme Court decision in the U.S., what gets stripped out is the legal reasoning. And yeah. people get this perception that, that it's kind of like judges just kind of shooting from the hip, you know, kind of this should be okay, this shouldn't be okay. And it's not that. It's really more like doing an audit where you're trying to reconcile what these books say over here with what those books say over there with what these receipts say over there. And you're trying to reconcile with all these other statements they've made about similar situations. And, uh, I just, I liked using my brain that way. That's amazing. That, that's what attracted me to Do you think it. you'll go like someday when you're, you've done, you know, you're a partner now at Oric and you've done very well and will continue yeah. to do well, but do you think you'll go into like being a judge or being like a constitutional scholar? Or, I, I mean, yeah. it sounds, you have like yeah. a real passion for it. I do. I do. But I've moved away from the, I mean, as a nerd, as a kid and, you know, academic, you know, academic study was kind of all I knew, but, but, and as a first few years practicing law, 
well, even before practicing law, I worked for a judge in law school and for this one semester. And I remember just feeling like what I was doing working for that judge was, was my favorite and still is one of my favorite ways to use my brain that I've ever used it. Yeah. I just, I just, I I like to think that way. And, uh, but over time I kind of, and I was originally a litigator where you do more of that kind of core kind of legal Mm -hmm. um, analysis and stuff. But I started, and I really enjoyed the the law in that, but I, I actually found the facts kind of boring. Interesting. Yeah. And I, and, and I wanted more, I wanted mess, more messiness in, in my kind of, what I'm trying to do at the end of the day in, in a certain way of litigation is kind of very clear. You're trying to, you know, win on this claim or, or defend this claim. And it's that clarity of focus that enables the, the rigor that I really love. Yeah. But it strips away a lot of the non-legal stuff. And so I just like the, I like the messiness of, of kind of trying to build something out of nothing and put things together. It's, it's frankly, it's not my core kind of ambiguity with the founders or how to the, the I, personal relationships. Yeah. 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 yeah I really like it's more, more seem more complex, complicated and interesting. Yeah. As I got older. Yeah. yeah. The more, I guess also the more you interact with people, yeah. the more complicated and interesting it is. I find right. it the same way. It's like in, in, in many respects, we're in a similar professional where we're both helping guiding these people through their entrepreneurial journey. Right. And it's like, yeah, some of the craziest, weirdest founders are a, the most effective and B need the most help. And it's, yeah. but those, those people sometimes keep you up at night too. You're yeah. like, oh gosh, the, you know, they're running off the rails or yeah. whatever they're doing. Yeah. It, that, it is fun. It's yeah. it's interesting. Yeah, the, the, the big part of it for me is I, I really like the the. Um, so my father is soft. I put this in kind of a family context for myself. <laughs> father is a software entrepreneur. My mother is a novelist. And oh wow, and, yeah. And, and what I like about I think the kind of the part of that I get from her that comes in this is I like what I like particularly about founders is they're. They're kind of trying to. They're motivated by stuff that doesn't really exist yet. You know, yep. kind of, it's like an idea somewhere where you're going. You're going. It's kind of. I just. I like. Yeah, they're building the future. You yeah. know. You also said just coming back to that a little bit. I think you said something super interesting when I asked kind of the first question. You're like, I asked the founders where they're trying to go or yeah. what they're trying to accomplish. Yeah. Can you talk about that more? I find that as like a really effective paradigm for talking yeah. working with founders. Like, can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah. Sometimes, I mean, in practice, um, I'll, like I'll get I'll advice from my younger associates when when you're trying to figure out what someone is asking you know they're, they're coming with a, a question you, you can't and, and there's a lot of aspects to the question and, and a lot of things going on in the in the in this situation they're describing and you kind of don't know where to start it, it can be an organizing principle you know like okay so this person said the client tells you this person said this they said that they did this they did that okay i get i get all the messiness where are you trying to go you know what's your ideal outcome yeah. here that's really almost more of a the lawyer like a technique on our side to kind of from the lawyer side to bring some order to it and simplify yes. the discussion. But I also, but I'll, but back on the thing, like, where do, but I also like it in a broader sense too. Like fantasy is important, is an interesting concept, interesting thing to me. And and I feel like fantasy kind of comes up in day-to-day life more than we realize, you know, just, um, you're going to, um, I'm going to, after this, I'm going to get up and walk out the door and, and go turn on my laptop. And I have a little, you know, whether I realize it, depending how conscious of it I am or not, there's a, I have a little fantasy about how that's going to go. I'm going to go to my laptop. It's going to work on the first try. <laughs> I'm going to have a comfortable chair. You know, you have this kind of hope, right? You're going to drop some <laughs> incredible knowledge yeah. on somebody yeah. in their first email. Possibly. Yeah. Possibly. Yeah, 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 yeah. But even on the more mundane stuff, you know, you have this kind of fan. Like, I hope when I get up and go have lunch, it's going to taste good. You know, you have these little fan, and And I, I like that that human kind of. I don't know how to describe it. It's like, yeah. it's like the hope and, and I, yeah, I'm saying I'm actually, actually someone who I think what you're talking about is like dreaming and just kind of going towards those dreams. Yeah. And, and I, I'm the same way. Like yeah. I wake up in the morning, I work out and i try to visualize what's going to happen that day. Yeah. And I feel like that brings me a lot of order, but also just helps me be more effective and yeah. also just a better person. It's like, I, I'm, I'm, I know where I'm going yeah. in the day, you know? 
I, I think you get a more unique voice, like a more you kind of become, um, you kind of develop a more unique voice for yourself. Yeah, and, and yeah. So I like I like I like to hear my I, I love it in a conversation with a client where they come to a realization in the course of the conversation that they didn't have at the beginning. I, I, that's like payday for me. I love that. That is that's and that's like the the pay. Yeah, you said yeah. payday. It's like that's what you're in it for. You're in it to help yeah. these people. You know, there's anyone you can do many different jobs to make money, but I think we probably yeah. agree with this. Like. Helping them get from point A to point B is is makes you feel really good, and seeing yeah. and their successes or your successes, and you're also building your own practice, and so mm-hmm. you're having these success, new clients and right. great referrals and things like that. But at the end of the day, just that one on one helping someone get yeah. where they need to go is yeah. really helpful. I'm I'm really lucky now that I'm I'm at a point where I I, I like all my clients. I don't have any I don't have any clients where when an email comes in from them, I go ah shit. <laughs> I, I'm the same way. I'm the same way. That was actually a major turning point. It was a, it's a huge turning yeah. point. <laughs> In cruise, I, and I, you, you know, we can speak about that. Like cruise consulting, like I think it was last October, we literally fired four clients, the four asshole clients, and yeah. including one of them was one of our largest. And it was like a real gut check moment, and it was so freeing after that. You, like, you never regret it. Yeah, you never regret it. And there, this is not like going to sound very like unhos- inhospitable here. On uh, yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah. I, and I've I, I just let, let my second. I've never only done it twice. I let a client go this morning. I told him I was gonna. We just aren't gonna work with them anymore. And um, I've been thinking about it actually for about six months, and, and finally kind of did it. He's just he's rude to our staff, and 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 I want when I want um, associates to to work to help me on something, I don't want them to wonder if it's going to be an asshole client or not. I want them to go, oh, it's an it's one of Augie's clients, it's probably a cool, probably yes. a nice client. Yes, like I really, that's, or else I can't get work done. Yeah, it, all, it also <laughs> is like like to your point, it sends a super strong signal to your team that exactly. you value them over yes. whatever billings this yeah. person and this is. maybe I'll be edited up this is kind yeah, of behind yeah. the scenes but it's talk. actually really true it's, it's really important because, and you need that that enthusiasm from the team in order to deliver yeah. for the for the clients yeah. that you value yeah you need I it I mean and, and by the way they that those CEOs should be doing the same thing if they don't enjoy working with their lawyer or right. CFO or accountant yeah. they should be making a move you yeah. know and it's like that's that's how you should do business right. you should find the right people for you You're right 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 yeah, that's, that's amazing so what do you like and then you you know, you said you, your dad, like going back to that original question, like yeah. how'd you end up with startups? Cause startups oh, are yeah, yeah. super chaotic, yeah. but they're also, I find them very fun right. and I feel like you can make the most impact as an advisor. Like, is yeah. that what you're thinking or what'd you, yeah. what'd you see? I was maybe two years into practice and decided I wanted to have my own clients. I made had decided that earlier. I started to kind of make moves for it and I picked an, I was a litigator at, at the time and I, I kind of thought about, I wanted to have an industry that I follow. You know, I read the trade journals. I go to the meetings. I know what's going on in that yeah. industry. Like, yeah. Apart from my legal expert, I want to have an industry that I'm like, they know me and I know. Super them. smart. Yeah. yeah. And, and I was, had gone through, was kind of had my criteria for what I was looking for in, in, in picking that industry. And I started <laughs> off with, with what was then called clean tech. And uh, it was fun. It was great. And did, I did a bunch of stuff to kind of get a na- my name out there and build up my own expertise and learn and meet people and build my network and all that kind of stuff. And what started com- coming back in, though, was a little bit more like corporate work than litigation. People are not going to trust a second-year lawyer with litigation. Like it just doesn't happen. Yeah, but yeah. you know, could you incorporate my company as a second-year lawyer? Yeah, yeah, yeah possibly. Yeah. yeah, that's actually a great yeah. insight. Yeah, yeah. it's like uh, betting the company on this litigation not going to work. But right. yes, I need help getting the blocking, tackling, getting going. Yeah, exactly. And so um, the, the work that was coming in was was a little bit more like corporate work. And for about a year, I was trying to figure out how to service that as a litigator. Like, do I develop a network of corporate lawyers who I kind of feed stuff to and then maybe they refer stuff back to me and I kind of danced around indirect ways of doing it and after about a year I just screwed it because I was getting to a point where I, what I, I felt like I was turning into a legal bimbo so <laughs> I'd meet someone I'd introduce them to, to the specialist who could help them and then I'd just watch the conversation and yeah. kind of try to understand it yeah, I just yeah. felt like a like a, yeah. 
like no like substanceless. Yeah. And uh, and so so I want to start doing that myself. And so yeah. then you became like their their go to attorney, and then yeah. you still do that probably a little bit, but internally at Oracle. Well, definitely right? half of my half of my yeah half of so my own functional specialty is, is fine, corporate work and doing financing. Yeah. I really do financings and advising the board. Um, but then the other half of the work is is really being outside general counsel to firm companies. So to my clients, so they need a tax expertise, they need a, a litigator's expertise, and my my role is to to know how to speak. You know, you kind of think of someone said to me like this: the CTO, or you hear this a lot. Uh, CTO doesn't need to be the best technical person; they need to be able to the best at explaining the technical stuff to the marketing people and to the finance people and to the CEO. Right? It's that, it's that translation your own team. Yeah. yeah, and managing your own team yeah. and managing your team. Right. Yeah. Um, and so it's kind of that split role where half of it is really co- so. You have a tax question. My tax guy is like $950 an hour. Um, but if you ask him the question in the right way, you can get an answer in 30 seconds. <laughs> yeah. You ask him the question in the wrong way, yeah. it can take an hour to, yeah. for him to even understand what your question is. Yeah. But you ask the question the right way, you get an answer in 30 seconds. Yeah. And, and so that's my role is to, to, to know the facts that he needs to hear and to take those facts to him. And, and bring back his advice and, and deliver. So that's yeah. it's that and also kind of just role. vetting, knowing which tax guy to go to. You know, exactly. like because exactly. you could you could end up with someone who doesn't know what they're talking. And, the, and right. the CEO doesn't know. They, right. They're trusting you. They're, you're the guy who has to make that right, decision right, right. for them. Right. Yeah. Right. And so it's yeah, it's, yeah. it's put like that. So you so and you enjoy and so you're kind of like the conciliary for for each company. You know, is, yeah. it, is it like what do you is it uh, general counsel at the company, but all in, yeah. and then also just handling all their financings. Yeah, it's like outside counsel, kind of like yeah. part. You're kind of outside general counsel is sort of the, sort of the role. Companies will will typically tend to hire a general counsel in in house usually when they're maybe spending about three hundred thousand or so a year mm-hmm. on on legal. Mm-hmm. That's kind of about about the point. Where they, where they start to and and then they don't a lot of early stage companies. This is actually a good 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 point for the, uh, for the for the audience. A lot of times people think that that they hire a general counsel to to kind of reduce the legal fees, kind of bring it in house. And, and it, it unfortunately it doesn't quite work that way. They, they hire the general counsel because there's there's too much to do. Yeah. And um and in a lot of ways the um they actually end up spending more once they hire a general counsel because now there's someone who can do all the stuff that was backlogged. Yes. Well, it's <laughs> also like the companies they're usually doing that when the company's ramping. So yeah. the new general counsel is doing a ton of like deal contracts yes. and revenue yes. generating right. things and also right. handling like you know, when, you know, as your team builds, you have like, in, you yeah. know, HR problems right. and things like that. It's like the, the, we try to convey this too, because in a, in a very similar way, you know, a company brings in a VP of finance or a CFO at like series C and yeah. replaces us. And we're totally cool with that. Like that's, yeah. we call it the kids going off to college, cool. but like you, you have to do that or right. else you're going to drown because the complexity gets so yeah. incredible. Exactly. Exactly. So you, but you still stay with the company. You're still attending all the board meetings and helping them and helping that general counsel that just got brought in through like some really sticky problems i assume yeah yeah usually they usually they have areas that they're strong in maybe they had a regulatory maybe it's a company that needs regulatory expertise and they brought in gcs regulatory expert expertise mm-hmm. and has also done the the stuff adjacent that they've done a little bit of hr they've done a little bit of ip but their strength is really in regulatory mm-hmm. and maybe they don't really understand how cap tables work or, yeah. or maybe they 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 were a public company i was actually the first time i had a, a public company gc uh, 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 first time one of my clients hired a gc who had had only been at public companies I was actually a little bit intimidated at first because I thought, oh, they're you know, they deal with more sophisticated stuff. I like I like the early stage. Public company GC does does all this this sophisticated stuff, and, and I'm not going to have much to offer them. And the GC came on board, and the GC didn't understand the first thing about 
a lot of private stock stuff we stock on. They had, yeah. they had yeah. no idea. Yeah. And they kept confusing the concept, getting all I was like, oh, wow, I didn't realize that our private company practice is as sophisticated as yeah. it is. Yeah, that's, that's a really good feeling. <laughs> yeah, it's a great feeling. <laughs> it's also awesome for that person because they, right. they know you're the expert. You can answer. Exactly. It's, a, it's that whole answer the question in yeah. two minutes thing. Yeah. You know? It's like you just knock it out. Yeah, it's funny what you say about stock. That was exactly the example I was, I was thinking of. Is, uh, yeah. It kind of surprised me. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. So what are what are some things, you know, you're, you're, you talked about helping them through the journey. What are some yeah. things that you see that you do you have to jump in and help the early stage founders with? oh yeah like you know some some lessons or, t- or funny even yeah. just funny stories are always yeah always awesome <laughs> it's funny when you say funny story <laughs> like there's there is a clear there is a total story that comes to mind when you say the funny story um and it may more be- you could just don't have to use yeah. any names and <laughs> yeah any, you know. yeah, yeah. I, I just i'm wondering if it's gonna be funny to non like prof- non non kind of not someone not like us but uh had this client wonderful really sweet founders really i really liked them a lot they're they're from uh from uh mexico chile and argentina three of them they were going after doing something in in, in latin america and um they'd worked with some other lawyers like their friend who went to law school or something and and, and when we started working with them their documents were a total wreck i mean you everything you couldn't you couldn't put together a cap table based on the document and we probably spent about two months and like probably like twelve thousand dollars just making closing volumes of all the stuff that oh. they had done and and I, and I sent it off to the guys and three days later, I got an email back saying, hey, I want to I grant 1% of my share. I want to transfer 1% of my shares to my sister. Is there any way we can do it without all the, like, paperwork? And you're, you're, like, <laughs> well, you're like, we do have we, to we just, document it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like, yeah. What, have, what have we been doing for the last three years? <laughs> sure, do it on a handshake. Yeah. <laughs> you know? no, that cracked me up. The, uh, the, yeah. uh, the friend who went to law school who does is, is a... Very expensive lesson for many founders because, yeah, yeah, yeah. like, the first thing I because we get a lot of calls and people are just getting going, and I, I'm always like, you know, call Augie Oric or call like a Silicon Valley lawyer, we'll set you up because they will avoid so many yeah. ex- crazy expenses by doing it right. Yeah. Like, you guys know how to do everything correctly, right. Right. you know? Yeah, yeah, and it's a lot of it's finding the short the shortcuts. Yeah, it's like you, you kind of need. Sometimes founders will will think that it, you know the, the early stage just want something they just want like NDA they just want this or that. So they want a junior lawyer to do it for them. Um, but a lot of times it takes a certain amount of experience to know what corners can be cut, what corners can't be cut, and to get, to kind of do it. So like they, they say, cheap programmers are more expensive than expensive programmers. Yes. Yeah. That, that, it's uh, the same thing with lawyers. Like I, I uh, Jason Lemkin, the guy who does Saster, had a great like little post where he's talking about the, the best value you get is by paying a high hourly rate to your lawyer because they knock stuff out in 15 minutes or half an hour. And you never have to do it again. Yeah. And it's set. And a junior lawyer would take five hours yeah, to yeah. do it and probably mess it up. Yeah, I, I had this same this experience. It happens at different level. I had just a few months ago. Um, there's an older guy, one of my mentors at, at our office. He's probably the old, oldest or second oldest guy in our group. Um, and we were we had the, a client wanted a an audit response letter, uh, and the auditing firm sent over this letter that was not like what we would typically do. And we couldn't really figure out what they were getting at, and, and we had to push back. But it's kind of it's sort of diplomatic because the client wants us to just do what the auditor wants. Yeah. Wants. And, and, and the auditors can, you know, they can seek vengeance on you yeah. and do something really mean. Exactly. So, yeah. and, and we probably spent a day and a half, probably about an hour and a half over a day and a half trying to chase down different people and kind of get their buy-in on how to do the, you know, find out why they're asking us to do this letter this way and, and just piece it all and tell them why we can't and all this stuff. And I sort of thought, okay, I'm not, I'm not getting traction here. And I sort of went to this this older one of my mentors, yeah, who's fantastic. And we got on a call and um, like a little conference call. And he just it was like a nine minute call, um, and he just <laughs> went awesome. through. 
different people on the call. And he said, and he said, you're, you want this and you want that to happen. And you over there, you want this, right? Right. Why don't we do this? And they went, okay. And it was done. That's amazing. <laughs> That's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. And I was spending a day and a half trying to find out what each of them wanted. Yeah, he yeah, knew what yeah. they wanted and was just confirming it. Yeah. Cause he had the experience. He had the experience. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Those are great moments. Yeah, Those great. are great moments. Yeah, and really you know, cool. the cool thing about your focus on startups, our focus on startups is that oftentimes we hear a lot of the same questions over and over. So that like our, yeah. our knowledge builds very, very yeah, yeah. quickly and we can, we can leverage that. Like I, I always say like, we'll probably be able to answer a question like in two minutes because mm-hmm. we've answered it 25 times before. You exactly. know? It's yeah, a really yeah. good feeling. Yeah. Any, any other like funny stories that jump to mind or just, oh, or yeah. even just like regular mistakes that people can avoid. Yeah. The last big deal I did or the, um, was maybe about six months ago or so, and we sold cruise automation to, oh, to, to GM. That's yeah, it's a huge awesome. deal. It's a huge deal. Two-year-old company sold it for just just north of a billion. Um, this is all public. Uh, we inc- we signed the deal, and, and for the founders who haven't been through this, so you usually you sign the deal, and then, and then you close later. It's not like in a financing where you're signing and closing kind of all happens at once. You sign the deal, and then you have maybe a month or so where there's a bunch of conditions to closing. So you you, you, you negotiate what all these closing conditions you, you sign, you take on the legal obligation to, to satisfy all these these things, and then you, you run around for a month or whatever trying to satisfy all these obligations, and, and then and then the deal clo- then you get the money. And, the deal and sometimes closes. there's a regulatory review or things yeah, yeah, like yeah. that. You know, yeah, 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 exactly. Lots of different things happen. Maybe there's someone's someone's consent you need to track down in order to actually do the deal. Whatever. We signed the deal and it got announced publicly. And then this this guy showed up and saying he owned half the company. I, I read about this on like Hacker News or something like yeah, that. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And and all that. I'm not going to go into a lot of detail. All the anything that I would talk about would just be stuff that's discussed publicly. But I don't know exactly how. I don't know off the top of my head exactly how it's put in each of the public documents yeah, that talk yeah. about this. But that was a, that was an intense negotiation, and it was um, so many decisions that had to be made really quickly and and. It was really neat to see that client, Kyle, in that case, it was really neat to see him sort through and prioritize. That's something That's something I would say. Often you hear the question of like kind of what makes a founder a good founder or, or whatever. To me, there are two things that, that I, I see over and over. One is in terms of like a, a good founder, a, a, a talented CEO or a company that's really going someplace. One is a sense of tempo. You get the sense of, of tempo. You know, you meet them, you talk four days later, and there's like, shit has happened. Yeah. <laughs> Getting stuff done. Getting I stuff totally, done. totally agree. Yeah. And you just have this feeling of momentum. Yeah. And that's, you can't really put your finger on it, but just the sense yeah. of momentum. And, and, and I kind of feel like, you may, you may see this too. I kind of feel like the speed that a client's moving at when you first meet them, maybe before they become a client, you meet them at a party or whatever, but you get a sense of that tempo. And then two years later, it's like the same tempo. They can't change. That's, <laughs> the, kind of, the same that's, tempo. <laughs> that's actually the kind of, per, I say this all the time. That's the kind of person they are. Yeah. And so you just know, I, we Vanessa and I joke that we know within one month of working with a client, if yeah. they're going to be a successful company or not. Yeah. I think because that, it's like that speed is the single greatest indication yeah. of success. Yeah. Now, now I would say, let me interesting if you see it this way, I think that's true for us. I don't think that's true for VCs. And what I mean by that is what's a good client for us is, is one that needs work. <laughs> they're yeah. nice to work with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They pay their bills. Yeah. They refer their friends. Maybe um, like that's, that's kind of what we're looking at. And whether they're going to have a, um, have a business, be able to raise money, possibly get every kind of hit that baseline of kind of actually ha- having a kind of enough of a business that, that like we, we would want to engage with them. Yeah. Um, you can tell that really quickly. Yeah. I, I don't, I would not say that like, I knew instantly that Cruise was going to be, you know, huge. I mean, that's like a different, that's a different level of yeah. judgment. But didn't you see, I see it's interesting because I feel like I can tell, not always, right? But like, I mean, I could tell they were going to raise money. making progress like Absolutely. very quickly? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 To, to be clear, I knew they were going to have a real business. I knew they were going to raise money. I knew yeah. they would, 
need advice on stuff and be able to pay for it. I knew they'd, be, they'd kind of be a, like that level. Yeah. Um, but I did, but I wouldn't say that I knew that they were going to exit for a billion dollars. No, six months. Like, yeah, 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 never. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah, no way. Yeah. There's definitely not, but that. you could see the foundation getting built. And I guess the flip side of that is the people who are talking about the same thing, yeah. like two weeks later or a month later and right. haven't actually done anything. It's, that's, it's that's going to be like slow going. Curse. It's going to continue to be slow going. Yeah. yeah. And, and so, and sometimes those are fun clients to work with yeah, too, yeah. just for all different reasons. Yeah. But you, you, as a VC, like I think those guys, they need action too, because as soon as they're putting money in the company, the burn rate starts is a yeah. clock effectively yeah. and it's ticking and there's only 12 months or 16 yeah. months of runway after they invest in the company. Yeah. So they kind of need the same thing, but yeah. like, yeah, you don't and know. Tempo is not like how fast they talk. No. Yes. No. It's, it's <laughs> oftentimes actually the most thoughtful people. You, you sometimes you'll get on a call and they'll yeah. be like very a little deliberate and slow, yeah. but the wheels they're taking the, big steps. Yes, exactly. Yeah, I big, mean, I, I learned early in my career not to misjudge people. I tend to talk fast and it's yeah, like, I'm ne- ne- never the smartest person in the room. So I know that there's many thoughtful absolutely. people out there who are, yeah, yeah, yeah. It feels the same way. It's like, yeah, yeah totally. Um, so the tempo, the tempo thing. And then also um, the other thing, and this, this I really learned from um, working with definitely Kyle at, at Cruz, but, I, but, it, but it really crystallized before that um, working with uh, Parker Conrad at, at, at Zenefits, um, who was, him personally was one of my favorite clients ever. I just, I really like him. Just I've always, I liked working with him. He, he was wonderful. Um, challenging. <laughs> and by the way, we're huge Zenefits fans. Like we, we, there were a top five channel partner. We do a ton of work. We probably have a hundred clients on Zenefits. Yeah. So we're big supporters cool, of the cool, company. Cool. Yeah. Cool. And, and, and Zenefits is still a, a client of work. Yeah. Um, but what I really saw in him was a quality that it just really crystallized it. You might call it judgment, but it's, it's ability to kind of look at a bunch of data and inputs and advice and, you know, messy situation that doesn't have a clear answer. And the, the ability to, to make decisions about what you're going to care about, what are you going to focus on? What are you going to care about? What, how are you going to prioritize? It's the balance. It's, it's not like any one thing that someone does. It's not like all good founders do this. It's not that it's, it's here are seven things competing for your attention or, or, or really seven factors that go into a decision, you know, seven different concerns you're kind of balancing for and, and the ability to kind of, um, come up with a framework for how you're going to yeah. organize those and, and think about them and just make decisions. So like he, he would really have, like when, when we talk with him about some issue, he'd, he'd have, you know, these number of things that he cared about that he was tracking on us. That he kind of like KPI, almost like KPI, yeah. not quite KPIs, but like issues he was managing yeah. with us. And you just, he, he just had, he had those with marketing. He had those with finance. He had with, yeah. with each of those. And it was the kind of ba- picking things to monitor and, and balance and, and assigning weight to them. And, and there's no right answer, yeah. but that, that, that kind of judgment. Yeah. And that's a, t- that business specifically, it's like, it has regulated components yeah. of it, but it's also a software company yeah. and you've got like startups are one was one of the early clients. Yeah. You've got everyone that, that I think that's one of the most fascinating business because of all these combinations, like moving fast, growing super quick, created a service that people to, you know, still, like I said, we're still putting tons of companies on Zenefits. Yeah. It's so valuable, but then also having this interface with care insurance carriers who are like some of the slowest moving companies in the world yeah. and regulators. Right. And stuff. So, I mean, I, that was, he really had his work. You had to make a lot him. of decisions that nobody had made before yeah. and figure out a way to make. And yeah. So that, so you see that when you see founders kind of thinking through an issue, kind of, it's like a quality of thought about yeah. about what you're balancing and why and, yeah. and how important it is to you and why it's that important and what would be different, how how its importance would change if this or that were different. Yes. 
that kind of thinking. Yeah. I also find the final step of that is communicating back to their team and yeah. explaining why they made that decision or why they're going that direction. Cause then it's, then they get the rest of the organization aligned yeah. behind them. Right. And and I find like the people who can do that are right. the, I mean, he, I think partners Leaders, probably yeah. like that, you yeah. know, or get the, they just, they make that tough decision and they get the, the ship pointed in the right direction. Yeah. 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 I didn't, I didn't firsthand witness a lot of what they did internally. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. That's awesome. Augie, can you tell everyone where yeah. they can find you? Sure. Um, if you Google Augie Lawyer, it'll come up. Oh, that's uh, really good. Yeah, A-U-G-I-E, Augie, like Augustine. Awesome. Augie's a partner at Oric. He's amazing. We do tons of work with them, tons of startups. It's a great guy, and he's also just a lot of fun to hang out with. Thank you. Thanks Likewise, for coming you by. too. Thanks for coming by. I really appreciate it. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. All right, man.